This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Christmas, I guess. Uh, so this year, we went back to normal horror Christmas movies, and we went with Krampus 2015. Yay! Boo. Quick question, because people love this movie, but I think all three of us kind of felt the same way. Has there been a more disappointing sophomore film release from a director that you can think of in recent time? Yes, the innkeepers. See, I actually will defend <laughs> I the, innkeepers. the innkeepers. So I'll defend I think, the innkeepers over this. I, I think. no, no. Here's the thing: is that the innkeepers is a much less watchable movie, and that's saying a fuckload because Krampus was so painful. But the innkeepers was so bad because there was no script. They were just yeah. riffing for two fucking hours, and you're like, <laughs> what? And there are no monsters. There's like at least with this. There's some cool character design, creature designs, and, and well, so that's where I think is the okay. So let's dive into it. One of the things that I read early on is that Michael Doherty was really pushing to use the '80s Universal logo at the start of the movie, and that request was denied. But the reason that he wanted it to start that way was because he felt like the movie was a throwback to like the '80s horror movie, and. I feel like I get what he means to an extent, but the big difference is that this leans so hard on CGI for creatures that don't need to be CGI that it like bothers me because like it's probably my least favorite monster in the whole movie, but I would like this so much more if there was more practical effects like the man-eating jack-in-the-box and less cgi gingerbread man 
in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because the CGI gingerbread men just make me think of the fucking creatures in Sausage Party. And I didn't even watch that movie. I just watched the previews, you know? <laughs> no, I think the movie starts off okay. Like, I actually really like the opening credits of, like, the Black Friday insanity or whatever, the Christmas Eve insanity. Actually, that's my first note. It says, like, the, the Christmas slow-mo insanity at the beginning is the best part of the film. It literally, like, that's the worst thing that your film can do is if it climaxes in the first two minutes, you know? It's like... <laughs> Also, it's the worst thing your boyfriend can do. Oh. The other thing that I learned was that, and this kind of answers a couple questions, but Universal only greenlit this movie if they would make it a PG-13 film. That's what killed it. Yeah, which, like... No, no, I don't think so. That's not what killed it because we literally just discussed PG-13 horror. Like, you can do it, but what this movie's problem is is the pacing it's yeah. insufferably slow and there's certain things that they could have done now that i think about it like i don't understand why they didn't do it and it still could have been pg-13 like it's that type of movie that when the sister gets killed under the car like we just need to see the blood splatter when the yeah, car well, starts that's shaking. the thing it's like almost a bloodless movie which yeah. is that's fine that's not yeah. the problem that's literally no, 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 not the problem not, with it's it. not the problem but it's but it's one of those things where like because the first time that that jumped out at me is like the delivery guy should have been more brutal even by pg-13 standards like it, he doesn't even look that frozen in the car like it literally <laughs> just looks like they told the actor like stand still and he just <laughs> stood there and then like they digitally added some shit when it's like you know, last year we did Scrooged, and I know Scott didn't like Scrooged, but even in Scrooged, you had the frozen homeless guy in the in the sewer, and that was like oh, an yeah. actually upsetting shot of a frozen guy. Like, I just feel like it's a PG-13 movie, but it really, really could be just a PG movie if you're basing it just on, like, the mayhem, because it's all just kind of tame. Make me not say this over and over again for the rest of this episode, but... It could have been done well. You no, know? and that's like, the thing. It, I, I so want to like this movie. That's the I, thing that sucks. Uh, it's like I want to like this movie so much, and I've given it... I feel like every year or every other year, I give it a shot, and I'm just like, maybe this will be the year that I watch and see something uh, different. Man. But it's I, like... This is my second and last watch, because the first time I watched it, I was so disappointed, because like... The reason people like this movie is because they love Trick or Treat. Like, they, mm -hmm. that's the reason why they love this movie. They are completely blinded by how good that movie is and how fun it is. And they're like, it's got to be as good. It has to be as good or else my life has no meaning. It's okay. You can under, You can just accept that this is a loss. I think he works better. Some people work better with budget constraints. And I think that, like, Trick or Treat is such an impressive movie because it was done still fairly cheap. Like, it had a backing to it. I'm not saying that it was like, you know, we've got actual indie film friends that, you know, have oh, to make yeah. do with a couple thousand. But, yeah. like, it's different than, like, a couple million. You know what I mean? Like, having to work within, like, a $500,000 range is a massive difference between having to work with a million-dollar budget. I think that when you have all of that money, it also becomes easier to want to throw some bigger names in your movie, but then also feel like, well, you know, let's spurge on some CGI. And it's just not, like, it just didn't work. Is he just director or did he write this? He wrote and directed both this and Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Because I think that's where the issue primarily falls, is he, it feels like he tried to write a Christmas movie. Like, it had, like, all the formula to, like, a typical 
Christmas movie, like the family drama and shit that just didn't work. The first 30 minutes is like a mixtape of Christmas movies because mm-hmm. yeah. it's got like elements of Home Alone and elements of Christmas Vacation all just like smashed together. Oh, and they're terrible. Like, the yeah. thing is, it, it, it's absolutely derivative. And so I feel like the people that like this are making themselves ignore the fact that it's maybe it's it, maybe it's the warm blanket analogy that we talk about. But it's not the warm blanket for us, you know? Like, I just feel like I love what you're talking about, Matt, with the fact that he works better with a lower budget because what I think is that once you get that kind of money, you are dealing with a committee that uh, and producers and, exe- I mean, not real producers, but executive producers that are saying, like, why don't you do this? Or why don't you add CGI here? I mean, like, I maybe his hands are tied a little bit differently than we think. Yeah, no, and I think that that's possible. And that's the thing is that, like, we've watched bad movies before. You know what I mean? Like, like let's talk about one of our favorites. Like, something like Serial Insane Clown Killer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> God like damn it. There's not a better version of that movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm glad that you brought it into my life, though. That's the thing. But that's the thing with that movie is that, like, what you're watching is the best that they could ever hope for <laughs> with, with what they made. And that, like, is kind of fun. You know what I mean? Like, same same goes with a Demon Wind or, like, an Uninvited. There's not a better take on what you got from that. But there's something so frustrating about watching a movie that you know that all of the elements make sense. Since everything works, it's got a competent director, but it's just not gelling right. And, like, that's almost more... Like, it's kind of why... We talked about this briefly before, and I won't dive too deep into it but it's the same reason why i didn't like the most recent ghostbusters movie wasn't that it was a bad movie but the whole time i was imagining how it could be better and that will pull you right out of a movie if the whole time you're watching you're just like man it'd be so much better if they did this instead or if they did this instead and then you're like you're not even paying attention to the film at that point like you were completely checked out by that point yeah no i agree it it frustrates me how sweet max's letter is to santa claus and how much i relate to him just wanting (laughs) to have a nice family christmas i was hoping your hatred for this movie would spare us but it turns out it didn't (laughs) but yeah i i mean i think that that's the other thing that kind of bugs me with this movie yeah like is max's family an asshole for sure does Max deserve to go through all of this because he ripped up a Christmas letter to Santa after getting shit on by everybody? Like, So here's the thing about that, though, is that I guess that they're trying to say that Krampus is super mean-spirited and there's no like real sense of rhyme or reason with why he kills and why mm-hmm. he imprisons people forever in a snow globe, which is... So, yeah, so let's... Hold on a second. Let's stop right there because did you know that there are two different interpretations about that ending? <laughs> what do you mean? So, how do you guys interpret the end of the movie? Because Scott said the way that I've always seen the end of this movie. Yeah, they they didn't escape. They're in a snow globe forever. No. Apparently, and and Mike Doherty says that he won't say which is the true ending, but hints that he's an optimist at heart, is that what everyone else's interpretation of is that all that means is that Krampus has given them a second chance, but he's keeping a watchful eye on them to make sure that they continue to be good people after no, that the doesn't, events. That, that doesn't really doesn't sense. track at all because yeah. they're st- they know that they are stuck. That at the end, it is not an upbeat ending of this movie. It is a downer ending where they're all stuck in the snow globe and they fucking know it. Well, and here's the other thing with the happy ending: they have 
released a, a Krampus comic book that's supposed to be a tie-in that, in fact, does state that they are perfectly fine and safe and that it was a happy ending. So it's like they're even fucking up the dark ending retrospectively. Like, but the thing is, the dark ending doesn't isn't something that I particularly like. About no, this I movie. hated the dark. I, I mean, we'll we'll mention this briefly because someone emailed us about it, and I gave them the nicest response oh, I could. Yeah, but people have asked <laughs> us if we would ever do better off. Uh, better, better watch, watch out. out. Better watch out. And like, it's kind of in the same reason why I'm always hesitant to even do like the original Silent Night, Deadly Night for this is that like, I enjoy Christmas horror movies to a certain extent, but for the most part, it's like, go goofy, go big, like, don't make me have to like be invested in anything. So like, yeah, something like Elves or even like the Silent Night, Deadly Night sequels that are just so off the wall goofy it's like whatever but i don't dig dark ending christmas movies it's like it's why i can't get into christmas evil i mean i the one big exception is that like obviously black christmas is a fucking masterpiece like the original black christmas is so good but that barely even feels like a christmas movie at times it's just a slasher movie with like a Christmas aesthetic the whole time, but that's like saying that Halloween's only <laughs> only a that's, slasher. That's true. Aesthetic. That's true. I, I guess what I mean by that is like Black Christmas didn't set the precedent for like someone having to be dressed up like Santa Claus or every oh, way that they're yeah, killed yeah. to be tied to like Christmas. Like it's like, oh, they're gonna stab him with a candy cane. They're gonna do the, like it. Very much was just hey, it's Christmas time, and that's like the setup for why these people are, like, slowly leaving school and why, like, people going missing is going undetected. But that's also why it's a perfect movie. Oh, it's so good. It is is one of the best slasher films ever made, period, end of sentence. Krampus is, yeah, I think I'm with you, Scott. I don't know if I'm ever going to revisit this again. (laughs) Like, if we got, like, maybe, who knows, maybe if, if Mike... Suddenly was like, "Hey, surprise, motherfuckers! We did shoot an R-rated version, and here's the director's cut." Like curiosity, That's not watching would... the same movie though, you yeah, know? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like curiosity, I'd be like, "All right, let's see what this director's cut is." But even Brian has been fooled by a Halloween Six producer's cut before, <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna hate me in October. I'm gonna hate myself. <laughs> kind of bouncing back to what we were saying though about like when you watch these movies and you know that there's a better movie, or there could be a better movie. One of the ones that really bugged me is when Max's grandmother is explaining the history of Krampus. And I, I'm watching it, and it's this CGI flashback. And it's like I, paper cutout, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like well, stop, that's, trying to be stop motion. I mean, but I, 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 I don't understand why they made that decision. No, mm-hmm. and I agree, because I was like, this whole scene would be better if they did... Either if they either went all in on stop motion or did all in on like shadow puppet, but like they're trying to use CGI to do a blend of both, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. I don't disagree with you. I mean, that's the, that's the problem with this movie is that it really feels like they were just trying everything they could to make it interesting, and it's also super weird to have the gingerbread men that are like super CGI and then have legit good practical effects in it because if I was a producer and this is also my aesthetic talking but if I was a producer and somebody was like well we're gonna do this sweet jack-in-the-box that's practical but we're also gonna do these gingerbread men and they may not look as good I would probably be like why do you need the killer gingerbread men because like in this movie you have so many monsters you have the owl doll you have the jack-in-the-box the actual Krampus elves um, Krampus itself the gingerbread men 
And you have something else too. I think I'm I'm blanking a little bit, but like that's a lot of shit thrown at the wall. And the, yeah, you could, and you could get rid of the gingerbread men, and it would be fine because it's not adding anything. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating because even the cast is so good. You know what I mean? Like it's like is it though? Cast, the cast no, is strong. They're and like Tony Collette couldn't even save this. Yeah. What I mean is not like, oh, they casted them for the right parts, but it's like, it's not like they just grabbed a bunch of nobodies who don't know how to do this. No, like, no. Like, well, that's, you know I mean? but that's what made the disappointment like even more was knowing the lineup in it. But what I don't get across the board, not even just this movie, I feel like producer, director, anyone like now I'm not a filmmaker. So, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt, but like, if you, I don't care what year it is, we're never going to see the peak of technology. So anytime you rely on CGI, you're basically putting an expiration date on your movie. Like in yeah, 10 years, that's, it's going to look terrible, true. you know, like no matter what. Well, no, I, here, here's the caveat to that, because I watched Jurassic Park uh, for the first time in maybe a decade or so mm-hmm. this uh, summer. It was the end is like August. And um, that CGI still holds up, which is crazy, but it's because it was a blend. That's gotcha. why I, 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 that's yeah. the big thing, though. It's like if you're using CGI to enhance a practical, then it's not as noticeable. But yeah. when you're just leaning all in on the CGI, that's when it's like, oof, you got nothing. You got no safety net. Well, and like, then I also here's the the caveat to the caveat <laughs> is the the thing prequel that they did in like 2011. I want to say it was they did all practical and then. Committee came in and was like, "Just put every put put CGI on top of all that practical." And yeah. so it's like, even when they do blend it, sometimes it's not the right decision. So, but I, mean, I think I, that they almost I, completely erase. Like, because I watched that thing. That featurette is so frustrating. Yeah, it is the most Be- frustrating featurette of all time for me. Because because it's almost like they said erase the practical and replace it with CGI. Like it, well, it wasn't even then, like an enhancement. It was like no. A, a band-aid or a cover I don't even it's... know why they did it because the practical looks so fucking good but also the even more frustrating thing about that is that the people that made that movie the practical effects department I can't remember the name of the company maybe it was Spectral oh they got like shit on by everybody that right. didn't know the and story and then because of that they were like we're gonna make our own quote unquote thing movie and they made Harbinger Down and Harbinger Down is obviously a movie made by practical effects people because it sucks. It looks cool <laughs> as fuck, but the movie well, is not like, good. Well, it's like, uh, you know, there's a certain enjoyment out of, uh, I think it's called Action USA. I still haven't watched it, but I want to watch it. But it's like, it's literally a bunch of stuntmen decided to make an action oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, oh, you know who always posts that shit on Instagram is um, v- VCR World. You follow yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. And they're the, always... The po- car the driving through the house. Yeah, the and house, the house yep. Is, yeah, like, yeah, yep. <laughs> like, it's like, this movie is such a mess because, like, best intentions. It was like a group of stuntmen that were like, you know who's going to make a dope-ass action movie? A bunch of stuntmen. But you know <laughs> who can't write a screenplay? A bunch Stunt of stuntmen. <laughs> like, yeah, we should do that for one of our, like, first pick <laughs> of the year. Uh, action USA? I'd want... <laughs> listen... The big one that I can't believe I haven't picked for a Patreon, and maybe maybe that'll happen in 2021, is fucking hard ticket to Hawaii. Hard ticket oh, to- God. No, please don't. <laughs> I hard don't even know what to- that is. Do we have any other thoughts about Krampus? I feel like we've officially gotten into the let's talk about anything but Krampus well, portion of the show. Because it's not only is it not a good movie, but it's it's not a good movie from someone that like we want to succeed that made us happy. 
at one yeah. point. So it's like hard to talk about because I don't want to shit on the guy. But no, I don't and have I bet he's rich as fuck. We can shit on him all we <laughs> I, want. Okay. Yeah. That's true. Although I do feel bad. I wonder if he's like just scrolling through the internet and he's like, man, I hope <laughs> someone's talking about Krampus. And he's like, ooh, horror movie night. They'll be kind. <laughs> yeah. <Look at laughs> Not today, nerds. motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, go check out our trick or treat episode from a couple months ago. Yeah, well, that's the that's the hand job that you need, Michael Party. <laughs> Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Uh, all right, so let's talk double features. Who wants to go first? Because well, we, this was picked did, by committee, essentially. Yeah, yeah, this was a committee one. Yeah, um... Well, Brian, do you have one? I feel like we need to give you the softball here today. Yeah, surprisingly, I do have one. I would pair this with Saint, also known as Sint. Sint, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never saw it, but I used a lot of clips for an upcoming live stream. Uh, oh, it looks <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, yeah, for a live stream that passed. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Scott, do you want to go? Because I don't think you'll have mine. And if you do, I have a backup. (laughs) So I'm pretty sure, and I've been meaning to, I I actually had to Google a second time, and I did not get the answer that I wanted. But Demonic Toys is a Christmas movie, right? No, Demonic Toys is a Halloween movie, but that was going to be... But that was one of my double features because this movie feels like it was inspired by demonic toys <laughs> between the Jack in the Box and the baby doll and yeah. all of the other shit. Ba- it, it feels- who would win in a fight? Who would win? <laughs> baby Oopsie Daisy or the, the owl baby doll? Oh, baby oh, Oopsie Daisy. Daisy. The owl yeah, baby doll is all about scaring you. Baby Oopsie Daisy will fuck you up. <laughs> and smoke uh, right. a cigar well then if, since you took demonic toys i'll lean on my plan b which i i'm afraid i don't think i said this already but maybe i did but um if i did it's two weeks in a row silent night deadly night part five the toy maker oh god damn it i rewatched it as i do every december and i still i mean i really fucking love that movie you know what i'm gonna watch um because i i still have to wrap some christmas presents for megan and so i stopped to watch silent night deadly night and black christmas i might try and squeeze in silent night deadly night three better watch out starring bill mosley yeah but it's it's um it's been one week since you looked at me I think that I've that's the one that I've watched the longest time ago because I actually watched Stupid Ass Toy Maker after you picked it for the show, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I I love that one. I don't know what's wrong with you. The killer toys are delightful in it. Um, Brian, I know that this is usually the question that you don't have an answer for, but have you watched anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I want to talk about the most ridiculous show in the world. 90 Day Fiance? No, no, no. It's called Designate. I literally started watching that this week. What, 90 Day Fiance? No. Yeah, it's it's a train wreck. It's this very is, depressing. This is called <laughs> this is called Designated Survivor. It is got Jack Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, okay. and it's basically he is in HUD. He gets chosen as the designated survivor and the entire like the Congress building gets blown up and everyone in, in politics is basically dead. So now he's the acting president. But the show <laughs> is written by cocaine it is the funniest fucking thing um this is one episode i'm going to tell you guys the basis for one episode because it's so funny i've told so many people about this episode so he gets a call 
because the head coach of the Olympics team got stopped in Russia and they found a bunch of steroids on him. So now he's in a Russia prison looking at life in prison. But it turns out that he's actually a CIA operative that went undercover in Russia. So now they have to go through all this stuff. They have to pull in these other countries, make a bunch of deals just to get this guy released. They get him released. He doesn't make it on the plane. Then the CIA finds pictures of him walking with the KG, uh, KGB member because he's a double agent. That is one episode. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah, it's like everything. Everything. It's so it's such a great dumb show to watch. All right. So since this is the episode that's coming out right before Christmas, um, you know, last year and for the 12 months following it, I chalked up Let It Snow as the best new Christmas movie of 2019. Well, 2020's best new Christmas movie is available on Hulu. I've watched it twice already, and it's called The Happiest Season, and it is phenomenal. It is written and directed by Clea Duvall, and it is starring Kristen Stewart, Dan Levy, Allison Brie, uh, Mackenzie Davis. It's a fantastic cast, and it's uh, about a girl who is in a long-term relationship with a, with her girlfriend and she's going to meet their family for the first time and she's planning to propose at Christmas. Just as they're about to arrive at her parents' house, her girlfriend looks at her and just says, I probably should have told you this earlier, but my dad's a conservative senator and he doesn't know that I'm gay and he can't know that you're gay either. Uh, and it is the awkward Christmas of her trying to deal with that week, but it is so funny, so heartfelt. It is top-notch Christmas dramedy. Highly recommend it for everybody and anybody. Has one of the most powerful speeches about coming out I have ever seen in a movie. So, but boom that's my recommendation. Well, and so that's funny that you mention um, Let Us Know because that wasn't what I was going to talk about, but I just remember that Megan and I watched it. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I couldn't like, get into it either. <laughs> No, Son of like, a bitch. <laughs> well, so Matt like talked it up so I think much, that was and I was it. like, "This is gonna be so good." And Megan, you know, Megan was like, "Didn't you say that Matt said this was really good?" I'm like, "Yeah, let's fucking watch it." And I hated every person in it, Aww. every single person. And I was like, "This has nothing. This is nothing like Can't Hardly Wait." I, okay, I do like the two people, the two characters, but they are also the sappiest, most stupid, unrealistic characters, which is the pop singer and the girl with the mom who's dying of cancer. But, you know, like, I, I thought that they were, I mean, they were the best actors, and, you know, they were both very attractive, and so that was cool. But, like, the bitchy girl that is treating all of her friends like shit, and she's the one who's with uh, Joan uh, Cusack the whole time, and then she buys her best friend a baby pig, which I think is a really bad decision, um, just because pigs don't stay small um i love pigs and 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 they're not pets you know like that's just not how it works um so that really bothered me and i hated the i didn't hate the gay angle i hated the way that they just made it like you know how matt bitches about marvelous mrs Maisel and says that there is no there are no stakes there are no stakes in let it snow like no, not at all she's like oh i'm not out and then all of her friends are cool with it they're all cheer bitchy cheerleaders they're not going to be cool with it it's not okay that movie came out in 2019 that's fine not even in, in 2025 are our cheerleaders going to be totally cool with their best friend coming out and be like yeah we knew that you were gay when she's closeted like it's just dumb it's so dumb but anyway that's not what i wanted to talk about so let us know don't watch let us know what i wanted to talk about was reading and watching lovecraft country um i finished it all and i liked it 
but I was pretty disappointed by the ending of the show. Have either of you guys watched it? I just watched it recently. Yeah, the weird thing about it is it's a it's a good show. Like I, there, I, there's nothing about it that I didn't like, but we we fell off watching it, and then I just haven't had the motivation to go back. I it, I just haven't been in the mood to watch it. I don't know what it is. Nothing bad about it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I just it's definitely a show that let me say it like this: The Mandalorian this season, I feel like, has been a show that has been just increasingly better as every episode every comes episode. out. Mm-hmm. And it, but I think this right. is the Love total opposite. It, it started at a peak and just yes. kind of slowly stepped down every episode. Maybe that's um, it. It's but, true. Yep. But I think that the I will say this, as much as we're shitting on the CGI and how dated it looks in Krampus and five years later, every moment that happened in Lovecraft Country that was supposed to make me feel a specific way from like the violence or the gross out standpoint succeeded. Like it it definitely tapped into like and it's funny because I Scott, I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Because my experience with Lovecraft isn't from reading any of his stuff, but it's from seeing movies that were adapted from it. So mm-hmm. as I was watching it, I kept thinking of Necronomicon specifically. Mm-hmm, so like yeah. certain elements would come up and I'd be like, oh, that reminds me of like this part in Necronomicon. Like, like I could feel where the influence was being pulled from in it. Whether you love it or hate it or just feel indifferent about it, the, the idea of taking such a infamously racist person's mythology and transforming it into like a very important story about racism like is awesome like i'm all about that and that's kind of one of the you said something on uh one hit thunder about lit where you were like whether i like the album or dislike the album i'm gonna champion it anyway and that's kind of how i feel about lovecraft country where it's like i enjoy it but I will champion the shit out of the show because I like what the show is trying to do. Yeah, and I don't sense. necessarily think the show yeah. is, like, for us. No. You know, like, oh, we can appreciate some layers of it, but it really is, like, when Black Panther came out, the Afrofuturism angle of it isn't really for us, and that's fine. Like, we can appreciate it and understand it and, like, learn about Afrofuturism, but it's not really, like, we're not going to get the same feeling and the same level of understanding out of it as someone who knows about Afrofuturism or people that have experienced racism and they, you know, things like that for Lovecraft Country. So, I mean, the thing that really chaps my hide about Lovecraft Country, the book, first of all, is because I read the, so I I read, I watched the first four episodes, stopped because I was stoked about it. And I was like, I need to read the book to see how it lines up. I, so I read the book and then I went back and finished the series. And the book, first of all, is written by a white guy. And I don't want to gatekeep and say that a white person can't write, you know, about Jim Crow. But it also is something like, I'm like, mm, it's, it's, it's touchy, you know? But the book in particular loses the Lovecraftian vibe a lot for me. And they reference a lot in the show how the book uh, and the show are different. They actually specifically point at things out in like later on in the show. Matt, you watched the whole series then? Yes. Okay, so when they talk about him getting the, the copy of Lovecraft Country through the portal, mm-hmm. right? In the book, they're basically saying that that George like the that Atticus's son wrote our copy of Lovecraft Country in a way, um, because there are multiple Earths and it's like a multi multiverse kind of thing. But that also is weird because it's revisionism saying that Matt Ruff, a white man, didn't write Lovecraft Country in our Earth. It's it's like it's a really weird I just don't know how I feel about that, you know? Like it's I have no problem with 
with them changing things for the show because I also like the fact that they made the show in such a way that it doesn't it's got a nice bookend for this season but it's not going to be the last season that they do so it, it does kind of take a little bit away from it I don't know how I feel about a Kamiho being in it I like the fact that they were saying like monsters exist outside of American culture but like a Kamiho doesn't exist in Lovecraft as far as I know them doing like multiverse stuff instead of doing space travel like they did in the book the space travel felt way more Lovecraftian to me than the way that they handled it in the show. But then they had Shoggoths in the show, and they didn't have them in the book. They have a much different kind of deal with the ghosts in the show. Um, I don't know how I feel. I think that they did a good job on using the ghosts in both. But then they had a siren in the show, and I really liked the siren. But then getting to the siren felt like an Indiana Jones kind of thing. And so I don't know how I feel about that. And so it's, it's a very mixed bag of how I feel about the show and the book. I, I mean, I, I would recommend the show to anybody. I don't necessarily think I'd recommend the book to just anybody. I feel like you'd have to hardcore love the show to really want to read the book. It was a, it was a snappy read. It wasn't hard to read. But just didn't leave me feeling satisfied. Neither of them left me feeling fully satisfied. Like when I read John Dies at the End. I mean, that book comes to mind as like one of those one of those recent horror books where I just felt super, super satisfied when I finished reading it. And I haven't had a lot of horror novels that come that have come out after that that have made me feel that way. And so maybe I'm just jaded. I don't know. All right. So that was Krampus. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Merry Christmas, everybody. Or, you know, I'm going to steal this from Josh because I do love that he says this. Scary Cryptmas, everybody. <laughs> uh, so that was our Krampus episode. We'll be back next year or next. Well, no, we got one more before next year. We'll be back next week with a New Year's Eve movie. Go and hit up all of our social media and our Patreon. And you know what? Go over and also check out our friends at Geekscape.net because, you know, someone on this show might be doing a whole lot of work for them right now. So <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Mayor Brian. No. <laughs> fan of young adult novels have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels then join author eric j brown and Alyssa lube of netflix's the circle every other tuesday on yaok available on all podcasting apps Woo! you're listening to the geekscape network